Hi, and welcome to the Country Hope Church podcast. We're based in regional Queensland with locations in Chinchilla, Gainda, Jandawi, and Meandara. We hope you enjoy this episode and we invite you to join us for a Sunday service. For full details, head to our website, www.countryhope.church. So today I'm going to continue on the theme of marriage. And I've got a photo up here to prove that I was once younger. If we can get it up. Yeah, there you go. That's over 28 years ago. So we've managed to keep it together for over 28 years so far. We're going strong, aren't we, babe? So last week I spoke on the importance of honour and respect in the home and how this should extend not just in the home, but it should extend outside the home as well. And if you missed that, then I'd recommend you jump online. You can um, watch it and catch up as you can for all of our old sermons, old messages. But today I want to take a step back and take a look at a big question that I think is really relevant for us to take a look at and it's worth addressing. And lots of people today, and especially young people, are asking this question and that's, what's the big deal about marriage anyway? So what is the big deal about marriage? What's the significance of getting married? Like, why can't you just live together and see how it goes, see if it works? Or, like, where is the concept? Like, what, where did the concept of marriage come from? Like, is it really important? And I think today we're going to explore in the Bible and realise that marriage is God's idea. It comes from God. And it's really important in the, help, the way it illustrates how God relates to us. It's a great... Like, it's really exciting how God relates to us, and it's a great image of that. So let's turn to the Bible. In Genesis 2, 22 to 24, right at the start of the Bible, it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So here right at the start of the Bible, we have God instituting marriage. He said it's not good for man to be alone and so from one man he formed two people, a man and a woman, Then they came together again, became one flesh, and through the act of marriage, they got united back into one. Notice here that it's not about a ceremony that joined them into one. It's the combination of their commitment and joining physically that makes them into one. And it's a concept that's somehow spiritual that we can't really fully comprehend. But it's amazing. 
In Matthew 19, 4-6, Jesus said, Haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female, and he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So the Bible opens with a marriage. Let's look at Revelation 22.17. Remember, you can follow along on new version if you want to keep up with all these verses. Revelation 22.17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. So it said, the spirit and the bride say, come. Who is the bride? In Revelation 19, 7 to 8, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honour to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared, prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So the Lamb is Jesus, and the bride is the church. So the Bible opened with a marriage right at the start, beginning of Genesis, and right at the end of the Bible in Revelation, we're finishing with a wedding. It's a really strong theme throughout the Bible. You can find many passages. Where was the first miracle that Jesus performed? Where did that happen? At a wedding. The wedding in Cana. In John 2.11 we see this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So Jesus chose a wedding to be the first time that he revealed his glory. He must think it's significant. And you can look right through the Bible. There's many, many times where the marriage and the theme of marriage is mentioned. And it runs right through. If you really want to get a grasp of how God's faithfulness is in relationships, where it's an example of marriage, read Hosea. It'll bend your head. God is really faithful. So you're starting to get the, the message, marriage is important. Marriage is important to God. Marriage is central to the Bible. It's really important. So it's no wonder that marriage is under attack. It's no wonder that the enemy is trying to destroy marriages because it's God's big idea. It's no wonder that the institution of marriage is under attack and the concept of se sexual monogamy and fidelity is under attack because they're all concepts of God. Satan doesn't want the world to see the wonder of a great marriage because a marriage reflects the way God does relationship. And a marriage is supposed to be the best example of the way God relates to humanity in the world. It should be the best evangelism tool we have on earth today, a good marriage. It's like a, a picture postcard of the way God does relationship. So now we've looked at the big picture Let's dive in a bit deeper and we'll revisit a passage that we looked at last week 
from Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. It says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So here again, Paul is revisiting the concept that our marriage is an earthly picture of our relationship with Christ. Earthly marriages were created to reflect a heavenly reality of the relationship between Christ and his bride. And here I'm not talking about the church as a building. I'm not talking about the church as a denomination. The church is the body of believers worldwide and through the history of time who love and are committed to Jesus, who have said yes to Jesus. So your marriage is designed and has the potential to be the best earthly image of Jesus and of his love for humanity. Your marriage has the potential and is designed to be a gospel message of love to the community around you. you thought about that? They should look at your marriage and think, wow, that's what I want. I want a love story like that. What's your secret? And the secret is Jesus. From this passage, I just want to look at three things today, three ways that your marriage should be demonstrating the love of Jesus. Three ways. Number one, sacrifice. Talked about this last week. In Ephesians there in verse 25 it says, For husbands this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. He sacrificed to cleanse his bride. I've received a number of comments this week about the message I gave last week where people said, you know, when I got married, nobody really talked about the sacrifice part. 
but we should because sacrifice is the basis of a good marriage. When you become a Christian, you're supposed to die to self and live for Christ. Marriage is supposed to demonstrate this. Two becoming one means that you both end your lives as independent people and become one new united person. You have to die to self to have a truly great marriage that reflects the heavenly reality. And I, I heard this recently, sacrifice is different to compromise. Now we talk about lots of compromise in marriage, don't we? But compromise is where you're negotiating between each other to keep something. But you're trying to keep something. You're negotiating for that. Sacrifice is your, when you're willing to lay down everything to keep someone. Where that someone is more important than the something. When that someone is so important to you. And that's a lot easier to do when you're first freshly in love early in your marriage than it is later on sometimes. We have to cultivate that. We have to cultivate the sacrifice. We've got to keep laying ourselves down. The second thing where marriage should reflect how God does relationships is love. Back in these verses it said, for husbands this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. We have to love like Jesus loves. And also, it said, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. We're one with our spouses. So there's no us and them. It's not a competition. We are one body. Just as you want to be happy, you should be trying to make your wife or your husband happy. We have to learn our spouse's love languages. We have to remember that making them happy makes me happy because we are me. So number one was sacrifice, number two was love. The third way that marriage is supposed to demonstrate the love of Jesus is unity. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery and it is a mystery but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. When you marry you become one. Eve was taken from Adam one became two, then they got married, they became one flesh, two became one. In John 17, 20 to 23, Jesus says these words, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. 
I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What a beautiful picture. As we unite to Christ, we unite with the Father. As we unite with our spouses, it's all one, unity. So if you're married, try to model these things. Your marriage has great potential. Eagerly desire to make your marriage the image and the picture of the way Jesus does love for humanity. I've got a good marriage, but I've still got a long way to go before that image. We've all got a lot of work to do. I certainly have. I really struggle with being selfless and Christ-like. You know, in life we don't stay the same. We don't remain the same people through life. And when we stand at the altar, we, you know, from the, the people that we were at the altar, we become different people through the years. But by focusing on building a good marriage, we should be helping each other to grow more Christ-like. We're not supposed to grow more like each other. We're supposed to each help each other to grow more Christ-like. So if you need to research more about how to do marriage better, as I mentioned last week, over the coming months, we've got two options on programs of marriage enrichment and education. And if you want to learn more about those, then head to the info desk after church and put your names down there. And I'd encourage you again to make marriage an A-list item. Make, make your marriage the best. Don't just let it drift and happen. Work at it. That aside, not everybody has the opportunity for, a, for marriage, even, or for a happy marriage. We live in a broken world, and there's lots of suffering in this world. And we must remember that the things of this world will pass away. They're ephemeral. And it's worth noting that Jesus said that earthly marriages don't survive after the resurrection. Like, it's something different. We can't really understand it. What's after? What's in the future and the heavenly. But Jesus said in Matthew 22:30, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. But we know that even though we don't understand what it will be like, we know that it will be wonderful and we cling to the promises. So in our brokenness, we cling to our hope. In Romans 8, 18 to 19, it says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children are. So that's what we cling to in the broken world and in the anguish of relationships going wrong or 
in loneliness or whatever, that's what we cling to, the future hope, knowing that God has good things prepared for us. He's got something better in store. But you know, the greatest part of this story about marriage and the revelation of it in the Bible is that if you desire a romance of epic proportions, even if you're lonely or maybe single or in a, a relationship that's not working or breaking down, then I want to remind you today that you are part of a romance of epic proportions. Jesus has been romancing you since the beginning of creation. He's already sacrificed everything for you. And he's waiting at the altar for you to come and say, I do. He is the bridegroom. And if you haven't said I do to him yet, then that's your opportunity today. He wants you to come. He's waiting at the altar for you. And that's the image that marriage presents. Jesus wants you to come and say, I do. And to become one with him. You can join the church today if you haven't already. You know, we'll invite the, the worship team to come up now and we've got the prayer team to come forward. And as the prayer team comes forward, they are here to meet your prayer needs. Like any prayer need that you have, come up and ask for prayer. But today also, and every week, they would also love to lead you through that I do. If you want to say I do to Jesus, come up and see the prayer team. They would love to talk about it with you. If you, don't even, if you just want to find out more, come up and talk to them. They would like nothing better than to be part of your marriage ceremony today. Don't put it off to another day. Jesus loves you. But you know another aspect of it is a lot of people have a desire for children and they mightn't have their children or they might want to have, do a better job or something. You know, if you join the church, you can be fruitful. God wants you to be fruitful. And the way you produce fruit is you can lead others to Jesus. When you lead others to Jesus, then they are born again as new creations. So you can have heavenly kids by leading others to Jesus. And then you have the opportunity to mentor them and parent them as new Christians and help them to grow. God wants you to be fruitful. He wants your life to be fruitful. And there's no better fruit than a, a fruit that will last eternally and forever. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great romance. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you chose to lay your life down for us. So since the beginning of creation, you chose. Lord, I thank you that you didn't wait for us to get our act together, to clean us, to, for us to clean ourselves up before you were waiting at the altar, but you chose to sacrifice yourself first to show the way 
to make a way. And Lord Jesus, we just say yes to you today. We just recommit our vows to you today, Lord Jesus. We love you and we thank you for your love. We thank you for the revelation that marriage is to the way you do relationship. And Lord, I just pray that you would unify us. Help us to lay our lives down, to sacrifice to our spouses, but to sacrifice to each other, to sacrifice for others, Lord. Help us to show love, not only in our marriages, but but everywhere we go. Help us to show your self-sacrificial love and help us to be united, Lord, in your purposes, to be fruitful and to love and worship you every day of our lives. Lord, for those here today that need breakthrough in their relationships or their relationship with you, we just pray for miraculous breakthrough today, Lord. Lord, you are the God of miracles. You performed your first earthly miracle at a wedding, and Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would restore and renew relationships today. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Country Hope Church podcast and that this episode blessed you. If you've got any questions or prayer requests, please don't hesitate to contact us through our email, connect at countryhope.church. If you'd like to subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, we hope to see you either online or in person at some point soon.